The Mud Peddlers, a podcast where two nerdy ceramic artists share the behind the scenes of their worlds of clay. We're your hosts, Lindsay M. Dillon. And I am Dante of Earth Nation. Today, we are going to be talking about studio etiquette and tips for beginners. Yeah, Lindsay and I have, um, hold on, let me get, let me get closer to you. <laughs> hold on, let me get, let me, let me get, let me get real close. <laughs> so, so close. Lindsay and I have been TAs for a, a couple different colleges. I've been the TA mm -hmm. for like two colleges. I went to Sac State, I believe. You can't remember? Dude, I can't remember because <laughs> I was so short. Like, uh, I was at Consumptus River College for okay. like three or four years as a TA, but I remember Tony, Tony Natsoulis was like, come TA for me for a little bit. And I did that for a tiny, tiny bit. It was like legit two weeks. But no matter where you go, we're gonna talk about a list of tips and studio etiquette <laughs> that you should most likely know about in a studio or a shared environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's, there's several different things that we wanna cover. And I, so I've been a, a TA or like assistant studio technician-ish. Yeah. I've been an assistant to both the professor and the studio it's technician. It's a weird title to... It is, it's yeah. all volunteer, at least for my case. Like I wasn't paid or anything, but it, uh, you get kiln space is what you get. You get kiln, as space. A, you get kiln space. And learning experience, which is, you know, I think I talked about in a previous episode. That's how I learned, like, the technical side. Right. The more of the technical side of ceramics was right. some of those things. But um, it's, I feel like in any time you go into a new environment, um, it's kind of helpful to have a little bit of, like, inside knowledge about what is considered polite because what is polite in one group may be considered like unnecessarily or impolite in another like yeah this goes beyond just ceramics but just like intercultural communication as well yeah this so, happens this happens everywhere it's like they have it in car culture and in video game culture like it's considered rude to bag but if you want to be rude in video game culture you bag on purpose i have no idea what bagging is um teabagging oh yes that yeah. i am aware of exactly <laughs> but you can if you have the crouch button in video games and you want to let someone know like you don't like them or you've owned them extra, you can do that. Oh anyway, <laughs> it's, it's also a thing in like gym culture, how like you put away your weights and you don't slam your weights. This is that list, but for ceramic art communities. Yes, and hopefully, depending on when this podcast airs and the state of the world, hopefully we will all be able to return to those group studio environments. But if nothing else, you can, uh, you know, save this for a future date. Yeah, you can look back on this and be like, oh, they were right. Hopefully. All right. Well, you want to get us started on this list, Dante? Yeah. What do we we wrote down the list? You get you hold on. We have a list there. Okay. What's the first one? Okay. So the first one is keeping one headphone or earbud out. Yeah. So this was a large, and I feel like any TA will will any teacher especially mm -hmm. will agree with this. But if you are allowed to use headphones in your studio or shared space, especially in a classroom setting, it is considered polite to at least have one out so that you can hear the teacher. I've had too many times where the teacher's giving a demo and one of them doesn't notice, like one of the students doesn't notice simply because they're listening to something Billie Eilish on their headphones <laughs> and they're just like, nah, I don't have to go over there. But I mean, they're just kind of in their own world. Like they're actively ignoring the community and class around them. Mm -hmm. It's just, you don't have to be talking all the time. You don't have to be part of it. If you're in a community, but in a classroom, have one headphone out if the teacher's nice enough to let you use headphones in the first place. It's a little rude 
to actively ignore the teacher, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that actually, okay, so this is, uh, we didn't write this down, but this is something I just thought of in, in discussing this. Yeah, of course. But uh, that's another, I feel like, thing for etiquette is how much you want to communicate with your neighbors. Yes. Because some folks, you know, when they go into the studio, they want to basically, you know, nose to the grindstone, just get their work done and really be focused. Other folks really enjoy the conversational aspect mm -hmm. of being a part of that community. Yeah. And some people like a little bit of both. So when you go into the space, and again, this may be all of what we're saying, maybe yeah. like, duh, for a lot of people. But in case it's not, just, you know, be be aware that some people may be coming to the space with a different set of goals than you do. Different energy altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here so, to work, you know? <laughs> exactly. And some people may just want to, like, chat the whole time. So be aware of that. And if you, you know, try and as much as you can, like, sense if someone, like, wants their own space yeah. or not. And I feel like having headphones in is, at least to me, is one of those indicators oh, yeah. of, like, okay, if this person has headphones in, they probably are more leaning towards the they want to get work done type of mode. Yeah, it's the same as at the, at the gym. Like, if, if someone has both their headphones in, unless it's real important or you're looking for a gym buddy, you know what, scratch that last one. Leave that person alone. <laughs> leave that person alone. If they have both headphones in, leave that person alone. Or unless you need a spot, like the times in which you can interrupt someone's like vibe when they're actively working and it's not a teaching environment is rare. Mm -hmm. Like you better need a spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise you just like broke my setup to say hi. Hi friend. Huh, how you doing? I was doing great. <laughs> See, that's when you just turn if you're, you know, if you don't have the headphones in and somebody interrupts you, you just like turn and just like hiss at them. That will absolutely, you know. <laughs> I, saw this, I saw this post on Twitter the other day that was like, we all like to pretend like we got bullied in high school for liking anime. But let's be honest. You were the kid who like Naruto ran down the street and hissed at people when they were, you were angry at them. And I was like, yep. No, that's real. Yeah. Yeah, like, I would love to say I was bullied because I was a nerd and I liked anime, but really I just had weird habits from cartoons because <laughs> I wasn't a fully formed human being yet, and that's why I got made fun of. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my gosh. What's the, what's the, ne the next one, the next one, the next one got me though. Using bats is one of those things where if you're, it's not even classroom, it's in a community space. If you're in a community space and you have bats, bats are things that you tie or pin down to your wheel head to make it easier to take your pottery off. It's fine if you're throwing like cups or you're a production potter and you have your own in your own studio, but if you're in a shared space and there's only like 10 of them and there's more than like five potters, please don't be the person who makes tiny cups and bowls and like you're just making regular stuff but you're taking up the things in which people would need to make sculptures and very large pots. Mm -hmm. Or it, plates. Or pl or plate, yeah, for sure, plates. Yeah. It, it's not even like, oh, it's just easier to take it off. You're making the job of someone who actually needs that for that specific purpose harder mm -hmm. for them to do the job. Yeah. You've taken all of the, the things that make the, like those are made to make plates and big stuff and you're over here making like small stuff and you're not even doing it cause like you need it. You're just doing it cause like, I just don't feel like doing the extra work to take it off the wheel the other way. Yeah, and it, it is helpful to know like a couple different techniques for how to like oh. take things off. And you yeah. know, if you're not sure, like you can ask somebody around you or the teacher or the TA. If you're not really sure, like a general rule of thumb that I use is if, if I'm making something that is more wide than it is tall. Agreed, yeah. I will either use a bat or be extra, extra, extra careful when I'm yeah. taking it off. And I say that because I don't actually use any bats in my own studio. Yes. But again, most of the time, 
I'm making like mugs or bowls that are more tall than they are wide for the most part. So yes. Oh, I just thought of another one with Ooh, the bats actually. Pray tell. So if you're using bat pins, which are the things that tie down the bats and you're using the bat wings, I don't use the bat wings personally <laughs> because I can just like center without the bat wings, but they, they're the bat wings are the things that basically screw in the bat pins so you can put the bat on the wheel. Yeah. Take them off when you're done using the bats. Yes, yes. If you leave them on too long, they will rust and clay down to the metal or whatever your wheel's made out of, of the wheel, and they will be stuck there forever and ever. <laughs> and anyone who doesn't want to use a bat is now going to have just like on their wrists oh. as they're trying to center and it hurts real bad. It does. And then also another thing too is that like that person who's getting on the wheel after you may not know that those bat pins are not supposed to be there. Right. So again, like you're saying, they're going to get their wrist like beat up and have oh another like... <laughs> <laughs> like learning how to center on the wheel can already be a painful experience if like your hands get rubbed raw but having having your hands hitting fast spinning wheel bats is something nobody wants to have to deal with made of metal so, made of metal yes <laughs> it's not like they're like floppy jelly like oh they just go right by no <clears throat> they'd be hurting yeah yeah <laughs> right so that's def the bats thing is kind of like an a1 tier thing for me where it's like if you're using these make sure that you you need to be using them Adversely or subversely, I don't know English. <laughs> in other words, in other, yeah, in other, in other news, if you are someone who is making like something super wide or super tall, like a foot or more wide and tall, and you take it off without a bat, it's kind of hot. Yeah. It's a little bit attractive. Oh. You ever see somebody make like a like a a pot that's like two feet tall, and you're like, you're not using a bat, and you see them like slightly take it off just by hydroplaning it with their wire tool without yes. a bat, and you're like, oh my god. Yeah. Oh yeah. The skill. The skill is, yeah. Just, just, just like the gym, don't make grunting noises in public. Yeah, just like grunting, the- Grunting, yep. grunting noises. Grunting noises in the gym are okay, but don't, don't be exercising your demons in the gym, please. <laughs> just exercise your body. All right, so shall we move on to the next one? Yeah, what's the next one? Okay, so the next one is- Your handwriting's so nice, I oh, can't read it. Oh my God, no, I don't think, I think that's the opposite. I think my handwriting is too, uh, too, what's the, what's it called? Too shoddy? In my, whatever past life I had, I did not know English. <laughs> and I have a burning hatred for it. <laughs> the past tense of cut is cut. You can drink a drink, but you can't food a food. <sighs> you park in a driveway and you drive in a park. It's stupid. This language is dumb. Language is weird. And like, because of it, my handwriting's horrible. And my, part of my brain's like, look, man, English just ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just not good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we have up next, washing whisks. Washing your, so this is one of those things where if you're in a classroom, well, not class or just any environment that a clay community studio and you use a glaze or you mix up a glaze and you use the glaze there's two things mm -hmm. number one put the lid when you're done with that glaze back on the bucket yes okay stuff will get in there sometimes it is considered proper etiquette to put things back where you found them or you got them and clean them before you put them back mm -hmm. number two Sometimes, I had this with Yoshio's class, where he would have a bucket of water so you can put the whisks in. Some people oh. would just like leave the whisks in the bucket, or they would just leave the whisks in the water bucket and never wash them off. Yeah. So after a while of this kind of laziness, people would just go to the wall and be like, there's no whisks left. And I'm like, they're all dirty, because none of you guys wash them afterwards. <laughs> and they're very easy to wash. As long as you don't let the glaze dry out, you just run them underwater or sponge them off and you're good yeah, yeah but like they would always get to that point where they're like there's no more whisks and you're like yeah because you don't wash them and they're like what do i do and i'm like wash them <laughs> wash them when you're done with them 
Like, like, whisk your glaze up for like a minute. Put your bisque pot in there. Glaze your pot, right? Mm -hmm. Put it on the table so it dries, because you're not going to do it right after. And while you, it's drying, go clean your equipment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing how many things, again, it's like, all this is stuff that should be really basic, it should be really known, but it's still, again, in a community environment, there's this misunderstanding that, or there can be sometimes this misunderstanding yeah. that, like, somebody else got that it. somebody else is going to do it. And yeah. It's just like, no, man, like, come on, personal responsibility, like, you got this. It's, it's washing your dishes for potters is what it is. Yes. Like, just don't say you're soaking them. Don't lie to yourself. You're an adult. Just wash the dish. <laughs> <laughs> Stop lying to yourself. Okay, so washing your whisks and making sure that you're not leaving them in the washing area. You wash your dishes. And wash your dishes. Be a good housemate, be a good partner, yep. wash your dishes, Yeah. wash your whisks. <laughs> All right, so this next one is a little bit more of a tip than studio etiquette, but it's oh, using yeah. lotion. And, um... <laughs> God damn it, Dante. <laughs> what? I was just listening. <laughs> so use lotion on your hands. Yeah, on your hands, sure. I'll do that. Okay, thanks, Dante. <laughs> and the reason you want to do this is, well, you will notice if you don't use lotion, your hands will get really dry. For myself, particularly in the winter when things are just generally super dry, I will actually, like, my skin will start to crack and mm. it'll be, like, inflamed and red and, like, sometimes, like, bleed a little bit, which is super fun. And the reason that, that happens fun. is all the materials that we use to work with in the field of ceramics, so many of those are things that will actively absorb moisture. Yeah. Like, clay will absorb moisture. Yeah, uh, glaze will absorb moisture. Yeah. Like, there are things that just, again, it's like, it's it's helpful. It's very helpful. <laughs> like it sound it, especially because I still have a little bit of that like societally driven like toxic male like I ain't using lotion. <laughs> Lotion's for wusses. <laughs> I only use lotion for one thing, and it ain't my hands. Oh but no. But realistically, like after a year or two, I was like, my hands hurt a lot. I don't know why past sequence Dante sounds way more deep than like right now Dante. <laughs> <laughs> right now Dante, use lotion. Past Dante, I don't use lotion. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, no, you you'd like have a bottle. My teacher, Yoshio Taylor, had a bottle of lotion all the time. And after like the third month, I was like, why? Because mm -hmm. as a dude, I'm like, why would you keep that out in public? And he's like, no, you should actually use that on your hands and elbows and whatnot. Because the clay will actively drink up moisture from anything it touches. Mm -hmm. And that includes your human body. <clears throat> so you don't have to use it all the time. But especially as Lindsay was saying in the winter, you should probably have a bottle of lotion somewhere in your studio. Yeah. Yeah, and even if you don't put it on like right after. Okay, so what I normally do like during the winter is I will put on a little bit of lotion right before I leave the studio. Yes. And then I'll also put some on like before I actually go to sleep at night. And really? Yeah. So for me, like again, like I'll leave every prep stuff. <laughs> well, mostly just because if I don't, like my hands just crack yeah. like crazy. And again, like everyone has different like skin. Everyone's gonna like need more or less lotion, or maybe some folks don't even need it at all. But in yeah. our experience, using lotion like just helps with some of the you know physicality related things related to clay. Yeah, you so. don't, like, it's like having a little itch. Like, you don't think it bugs you that much until your skin starts to crack and bleed a bit, and then you're like, that doesn't really hurt too much, but it's bugging me enough to throw off my concentration. Yeah. Just like an itch in the back of your knee or something. Mm, those are the worst. Yeah, because you have, like, you actually have to stop and itch it in order to get rid of it. <laughs> but with your skin cracking from being too dry, you, you ba that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to, like, stop, clean your hands, put on lotion. But you're right, though. Whenever I'm done working, mm -hmm. that's when I clean my hands and, wa like, sponge off my elbows and whatnot, and then I will put the lotion on. Yeah. Because there's no reason to go, like, put it on in the middle of me working. Yeah. And if you don't need a reminder, just watch Hannibal. It, put the, it puts the lotion on its skin. I saw. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. All right, do we want to get this next one? Yeah, what's the next one? All right, keeping our nails short. Yeah, do you want to do the, like, I feel like I have a rant about this one, but I don't want to rant that much about it. <laughs> okay. I have a bunch of stories that are like people who just don't want to cut their nails, but they'll also complain about like not having long nails and not being good at pottery because of it. So yeah, you, you yeah. go for it. Go okay. For all right. It. Well, I feel like, okay. So there's a couple different things to keep in mind. First of all, I can say this advice because for me, my nails are not really a big part of my external presentation. I don't spend yeah. a lot of money on acrylic nails or like getting my nails done. So for me, keeping my nails short is really simple and easy because it just, it helps when, particularly when you're throwing on the wheel, it helps um, keep your, from accidentally like gouging into the clay as yeah. the wheel is spinning. Yes. So if you do really enjoy having your nails longer and more extravagantly done, if you're thinking about taking a ceramics class, then just, if you can, <laughs> hold off, hold off on getting on like, getting your nails redone. Again, this is assuming we are living in a post COVID world. So yeah, so the main reason you want to keep your nails short is to make it easier to not accidentally gouge the clay. Yes. So again, just as in in summary, if you don't really care that much about your nails, then sweet, just keep them keep, keep them, them short. short. Yeah. Um, and if you do care a lot about your nails, either know that that's just going to be something that will be harder to deal with, yeah. or if you can put off those like nail appointments so that you're not having really really long nails while you're in the middle of your ceramics class because it just it creates another level of difficulty. That it's a is, big level too. It's yeah. Because like at a certain point, you're going to realize that a lot of the nerves in your fingertips are what let you feel your clay body and how thick it is. But you can't really get to your fingertips in your clay if your nails are actually longer than part of your fingers. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and Lindsay's right, you'll just gouge into your clay. So it's, it really just like anything past the beginner phase is going to be like, oh, this is really difficult. Unless you learn how to knuckle pull or unless you know how to palm pull, mm -hmm. both of which are kind of, in my opinion, past the beginner phase, unless you learn from day one to knuckle pull. Yeah, yeah, there are workarounds, but just- They just make it harder. Yeah, okay, but also, if you do have long nails and you still really want to do ceramics, yeah, just I'm not do gonna. it. Like, even if you have long nails, like, don't let long nails keep you from exploring ceramics if you're interested in it. To be fair, I've seen someone do it before. There was a lady in my class named Linda who, like, refused to cut her nails, and I was like, you just... It's not that you can't, it's like at your level, it would make it really difficult. And one day mm -hmm. she, like, practiced, 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 came to the class and was like, Dante! Let me show you what I can do. <laughs> and decided to get the like the side of her, what's this finger called? Your index? Oh, your index finger, yeah. She got like the side of her index finger, put her thumb on the outside of the cylinder, so the cylinder's in between her index and her thumb, mm -hmm. and then pushed in with her palm and pulled like this. Oh, interesting. But she didn't, she did well. She did better than she's been doing. Uh -huh. But she was like, look, I pulled without using my fingers. And I was like, that's really cool. But you do realize you practice for like two weeks to do something that we can all do in two days. <laughs> because like, you just made it so such a worker, you made it harder for yourself. I'm not mm -hmm. saying it can't be done. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next one. So this is, again, back to a little bit more like etiquette and it's just basically being patient when folks are dipping their glazes. Again, this is like- Oh, that's all you, yeah. Kinda, it's kind of just, again, like just more basic stuff. But um, since, you know, if you're in a community environment, just know that if you need to wait, like just, just, I don't know how to explain this. Yeah, just, like, just, I feel just like, wait. I sh like we shouldn't have to tell you that yeah, one, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess this kind of has to do with also like not spreading your work out. Like if, as you're working, oh, as yeah. you're glazing, keep your, try as best you can to like keep your workspace like, it's like as small as possible. Yeah. And then just be willing to like, you know, scooch aside if someone needs to dip something really quickly or right. be that person who's willing to ask like, hey, would you mind? Like, can I, can I get underneath and like, 
glaze real quick? Or yeah, or let someone just... know. Like, if they're mixing up a glaze, just let them know, like, hey, I'm going to use that after you so you don't have to cover it. Yeah. And then use it directly after them. And then cover it. Cover it back up. Exactly. <laughs> cover it back up. <laughs> and wash your whisk. Yeah, I, I think I think this one has to do a lot more with contaminating glazes because if you have two five-gallon buckets next to each other and they're both relatively full of glaze, what usually happens is that two people will be working on them and some of the glaze will splash into the other glaze or they'll dip or they don't know how, how to like finesse mm -hmm. their pot in there. They just like splash everywhere. What will often happen, for, especially for beginners, that they will like put one glaze into another bucket on accident mm. or put one whisk into another. It'll get contaminated somehow. And the workaround for that that for my classroom was like, hey, just be patient. Just yeah. wait till they're done. If they cover up their glaze like they're supposed to, when they're done, just wait the whole three minutes <laughs> for them to like glaze next to you. Yeah. But if everyone, like imagine a station of 12 glazes next to each other and everybody at once was using like a different color. Yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. all whisking their lives away with power drills and whisks. And oh my god. Ladles, you know, like all those glazes are not gonna be contaminated. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not not expensive. Like making the color black in a five gallon bucket is like $200. Oh. Yeah. It lasts a long time though. It does. It's super long time, but it's like- I don't know if it costs that much. Let me think. Cobalt? Cobalt's the most expensive and that's yes. probably like 50 bucks for that. And the rest, yeah, you're right. It's probably yeah. like a little underneath a hundred. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, but it'll last a while. Yeah, it lasts a long, it lasts a longer time than buying a pint for sure. Mm-hmm. Another note actually kind of relating to contamination is before you dip your whatever your your project is, mm -hmm. make sure there's not any like little chunks of bisqueware either inside the cup or like loosely attached on the outside. Just kind of mm. wipe it down real quick with a sponge so that you're not getting chunks of bisqueware yeah. into the glaze bucket. Yeah. Because then that will affect other people's glazing in the future if they have like a chunk of glaze on the outside of their piece. Yeah. That, that reminds me like... There, I know plenty of potters that will like just wipe off their stuff with a very damp, but like a, a damp sponge before they glaze. And this is in an effect to get the silica or the dust or whatever off of their pot, the dirt off of it, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that the glaze takes a little bit better. I don't do that, but I should. <laughs> I absolutely, like I've been told to. And the issue for me is that Usually potters will do this who have a large stock, so they'll have shelves and shelves and shelves that take up like three months to get. And then mm. by the time they make stuff, the first level of stuff they've made has a bunch of dust on it. And dust is technically, it'll refract some of the glaze. Just like oil will with your hands sometimes. Mm -hmm. So just, people have told me to either blow dust or brush off that dust. And I never do it. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't do that and it still works though, like right. why give yourself, like, okay. So, cause I used to do the same thing. Like I used to actually with a wet sponge yeah. wipe off every single piece and it, it adds like a couple of minutes or even like, okay. So, so Especially even, for all your damn. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like if you're only making a few pieces, like wiping it down doesn't affect your production that much. But again, yeah. if you are doing ceramics more professionally and you're also making a lot of pieces, like even an extra 30 seconds yeah. per piece adds up. So be like an hour after a while. Yeah. Yeah. So again, like kind of, I feel like with a lot of, a lot of things in ceramics, like yeah. even though there may be a quote unquote rule about something like yeah. exercise critical thinking skills, like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with questioning a rule and seeing of if course. it, seeing if it applies, you know, to, to your particular case or, you know, critical thinking skills for sure. Don't follow a rule just because other people said it. like, you know what I mean? The mm -hmm. majority or the consensus is not the rule. Like don't, yeah. you don't have to. Yeah. 
Except, on that note, the yeah, one thing except, I'll say Yeah, don't you, is, please, I shouldn't have said that. No, 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 no. Okay, so no matter what we say, no matter what you see elsewhere, if this particular studio you're going to has a rule about something, yes. follow that rule. Because please. even if you don't understand why they have that rule, there probably is a good reason behind it. And of course, you can always ask. Like, there's no reason why you can't ask, like, oh, hey, like, why do we do this thing? Because it'll, right. it'll probably help you better understand ceramics as a medium in general. Absolutely. But... Yeah, because like different studios will have different policies about things, and yeah. as a member of a community, it's important to uh, follow those rules. So. I, yeah, either like follow those rules or lead by example. You know. Yeah. So those are always my two options. Like question the rules, I guess for sure if they're not functional. Mm -hmm. This is one of the one of the somebody told me this like three weeks ago on my Instagram, and I think I told you about it. It was like. Tradition is just pure pressure from dead people. Ah, yes, I remember <laughs> that. I love that so much. And it's, I'm like, oh yeah, like it's not real. You know what I mean? Like tradition is just little bits of rituals, but some of the tradition is usually seated in functionality that is either no longer, no longer needed. You know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. it's just like, it's seated in the fact that it's still needed, but nobody knows why. You, you, yeah. You ever see that yeah. experiment with the monkeys where like they hung a banana from the cage and there's a huge, a huge cage. It's, it wasn't like a small cage. Okay. And they put like five or six monkeys in there, right? And they hung a banana and they put a ladder there. Okay. And every single time one of them tried to get the banana, they would punish the monkeys. They would like spray them with something and get them down. So they never got the banana, right? It was an experiment. Interesting. Okay. Right? But they took most of the monkeys out and left like two in there mm -hmm. and put new monkeys in there. So the new monkeys were like, oh, a banana tight it wasn't really a banana but it was it was food yeah um and the other monkeys were like don't do that oh the other monkeys were like you will be punished for that and the new ones were like why that's dumb like oh. there's clearly food up there i can just go get it and they're like they would start like hating each other and hating each other wow. they would start like violence over like no it is tradition like we don't go up there oh, we shit. will be punished and they kept doing this over like four or five different cycles uh -huh. till like one monkey was like new and the other ones were like, don't do it. Uh. And he was like, why? <laughs> it's oh food. And that is what tradition is. <laughs> <laughs> I love Monkeys it. following rules for reasons you don't know. <laughs> that's interesting. I like that. It's yeah. It was an experiment that I was like, wow, that's literally us. Yeah. Yeah. That hurt. Anyway, back to uh, <laughs> studio <laughs> etiquette. Back to studio etiquette. Back to studio etiquette. I'm sorry I'd be going on rants. No, man, you're good. You're good. I like it. So, so this is another one that again, it has to do with rules of a particular studio, but be aware that you are putting your work on the correct like in the correct section of the studio. Like if the studio has a section yeah. for uh, greenware that needs to be bisque fired, make sure you put it on that shelf. Agreed. And not on the on, not on the glazeware cart. On a similar note, um, a lot of studios, particularly um, in like like more uh, like college environments or where there are a lot of beginners, they will have you know most of those studios do a separate <laughs> bisque firing and a separate glaze firing. Yeah. So make sure that you don't put glaze on greenware because you could hear it in Lindsay's voice that she has experience with this. <laughs> I do, I do. I have I Lindsay, go ahead and rant. Oh my gosh. Talk no. talk your mess. It's it's more it's more just that I feel for Oh, there the, she goes. She got the hand on the head. Oh my god, I do. Well, yeah. no, go ahead. It's, it's not even just me. It's more that I I I love the studio technician at the the college where I volunteered before because she is the most patient woman on the planet and it is so hard to see her get stressed out at the end of the semester because because inevitably yeah. a few students will like who have maybe gotten behind on their work or you know maybe still don't really understand like the stages of ceramics yeah or will put glaze 
on greenware. Yeah. And then if you do that, because of the way the studio firing schedules are set up, those pieces will often like explode or break. Yeah. And not only ruin other students' work, but it'll also damage the kilns because now there's glaze in the kiln brick. Right. So anyway, so it's it's more just like from wanting to wanting to protect all of the wonderful studio technicians out there in the world who are navigating, constantly navigating uh, students who are still learning the stages of ceramics and who who sometimes will either forget those rules or just not pay attention to them. And it's like, okay guys, these 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 people who run our studios are fantastic people and you, you, you just- It's very difficult yeah. to frustrate Lindsay, but this is the most frustrating <laughs> I've ever seen her be. Like oh her God. body language has totally changed. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys don't even know it. Yeah, so like, it, <laughs> so you like, it's weird because I have this experience as well, but I give up way easier than like my frustration wants me to give up. So I'm just like, either you're dumb or you didn't listen to the rules. One of those two <laughs> happened, yeah. right? Because there's three, there's basically three, or you just don't know yet and no one explained it to you, which is just like not good teaching. So there's three or four stages of pottery, right? There's like the wet phase, you just threw it in the clay form. It's wet pottery. When it dries out, it becomes greenware. When you put it inside the, the kiln the first time and that kind of makes it go through quartz inversion, it turns into bisque. It's a whole different material by that point. Bisque is kind of, for lack of a better term, what allows it to be so dry that it will accept any water or any liquid or substance that you put on it. This is where glaze comes in because glaze is basically glaze material, earthen material, and it's also water combined. It's a suspension, it's not a, it's not like a combined thing, right? Okay. They're insoluble, essentially. Water and the materials, most of the time, you, they should be. After that, you fire them, and that opens the pores back up of the glaze and allows the minerals, the glaze minerals, and the pottery to fuse together. The water is just the thing that carries the glaze minerals onto the pot and allows it to be drunk by the bisqueware. That's pretty much it. But somewhere in between there, people are like, so greenware is bisque? And you're like, no, greenware is not bisque. Is, is finished product greenware? No, that's, no. <laughs> It's not. Can I glaze greenware? You cannot glaze greenware. I glazed greenware. Why? <laughs> I mean, you can glaze greenware. You it's can. Just, it's just that, but it, it requires... A certain schedule for a, firing. Yeah. yeah and yeah, it, yeah. it, like, most of the time, it, the turnover rate of a school is so high that it's going to explode. Yeah. Real talk, it's just going to blow. It's just going <laughs> to blow. And you'll ruin everyone's work on that level. Hopefully only that level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so did I do it right? Did I get you? You're, you're, you're. Yes. Did I explain enough for you? Thank, thank you, thank I, you, my good sir. All right. Read so. the labels. <laughs> and the last one that I kind of want to give you guys is just—it's more of a tip than anything else. Please, what like human beings leak so many <gasps> fluids. Oh my god. <laughs> that didn't sound right. I'm I sorry. I almost just choked him a bit. Let, let Dante tell us about our fleshy mortal coils, You're our <laughs> our porous, spongy exterior. You are sacks of meat with water. I oh, say. Oh yes. And the gods decided to to put your 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 reproductive organs with your excrement organs. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm still angry about it. Anyway, <sighs> it's bad engineering. I say. <laughs> This this part is something that I didn't even know. The human body will just leak oils and sweat and salts and fluids all day long, right? That's pretty much what sweat is. If you, 
I'm doing a bad job of this. But if you touch your bisqueware, or even your greenware, really, if you touch your bisqueware uh, without washing your hands, those oils will usually transfer onto the pot, and it will sometimes cause crawling. So let's imagine, happens to me all the time, actually. Let's imagine you're eating, like, greasy food like fried chicken, mm. right? And you don't wash your hands in between the two phases of handling your bisqueware and, and handling, like, greasy food. You will very easily notice that that oil will usually either reject glaze or it'll come out in the bisque and the after the glaze product will like you'll see your own fingerprints yeah essentially yeah it's kind of like a like a toned down wax resist a little bit yeah it's, it's difficult to say because it's bisque ware is kind of meant to drink up liquid and the glaze materials just come with that liquid but oil counts as a liquid so if you put enough oil or, or liquid or salt or whatever in that one spot the bisque goes cool I drank already like I'm good mm. so if you don't wash your hands or handle your bisque ware or your work in general with clean hands sometimes you will contaminate your own bisque ware in certain spots and it will mess up your glaze and cause more crawling also wash your hands <laughs> because duh and because Dante, as the leader of the Dirty Potters, <laughs> as much as he says that we are Dirty Potters, at the same time he says, be clean. I try and be a little clean. Yeah, the dirty thing's mostly because I'm a perv. You are a perv. It's okay, I'm a pervert too. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we hope you guys found this little episode about studio etiquette and uh, some Liqu tips. Human liquids. Human liquids, <laughs> helpful. We have covered the extent to which we are fleshy mortal coils. And uh, yeah. I guess that's, I guess that's it. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to The Mud Peddlers with Lindsay M. Dillon. And Dante of Earth Nation. Want to say hi and see what Dante and I are working on in our studios? Check out the show notes for links to our websites and social media below. You can find me at lindsaymdillon.com. That's L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-M as in monster, D-I-L-L-O-N.com and on Etsy, Instagram, and Facebook, at Lindsay M. Dillon. And you can find me at Earth Nation Ceramics. It's spelled exactly how you think it's spelled, but you can also find me on my Facebook fan page and Instagram at the same name at Earth Nation Ceramics. If you enjoyed hanging out with us today, or you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, take a second to rate and review The Mud Peddlers in Apple Podcasts. It helps our podcast reach new listeners, and we really appreciate the feedback. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. It was so much easier when we were just like multi-limbed eldritch horrors because, you know, all that Way we have easier. to consume is soul.